Yes, welcome everybody. Another chance at some money and in 15 minutes, the final keyword of the day will be revealed along with the instructions read by John Cobelt as to how you have a chance at that money. Stand by for 520. Uh, we will talk about this story coming up in that next segment too, but apparently a bid to recall embattled L.A. City Council member Kevin DeLeon has been officially launched this afternoon. Initial paperwork has been filed We'll bring you all that detail coming up, but we're going to start this hour by talking to the sheriff of L.A. County. Alex Villanueva. Uh, he has uh, startled people today, claiming that the California Attorney General, Rob Bonta, is going to ask a judge to order Villanueva's department to destroy any remaining copies of items seized from the uh, Sheila Kuhl investigation. You remember that famous raid on Kuhl's house? And uh, the charges, well, no charges have been filed yet, but the whole point of this is that Kuehl had a best friend uh, that she Patty directed, Giggins. That she directed uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of uh, county contracts to so that uh, Giggins could set up this uh, sex harassment hotline that nobody ever used. And Giggins uh, was able to keep the money for her nonprofit. Her wow. nonprofit. It was a metro hotline and uh, didn't get a lot of calls. Yeah, so let's get uh, Sheriff Inueva on. Uh, good afternoon, guys. All right. Hey. Explain this. These are This is really uh, a surprising accusation you're making here. Uh, we don't make accusations without facts. In fact, we were just taken aback when our attorney, who's representing us pro bono, because the county thought fit that we did not have an attorney representing us, pro bono, uh, was in communication with one of the deputy attorney generals, basically one of uh, a Bonta subordinate, who told him, and they got into an argument, said, that, I need you to eliminate all documents in your possession that have not been basically copy, transfer everything to us, and you must destroy everything, including body-worn camera footage, which we thought was illegal. And our uh, our attorney asked for this clarification in writing. She provided it in writing via email. So there's no mistake about what their intent was. So we we knew the case was going to be heard today in court, and we filed our uh, our motion in court with the attorney. It lays out exactly what was said. And I think late last night, early this morning, then the AG himself claimed that we never said that, but his own uh Written communication from his employees says the exact opposite. So maybe he doesn't know what his subordinates are doing or it's just a game they're playing. But the judge, fortunately, in court said, uh, we're not destroying anything, are we? So there's a lot of backpedaling going on in the AP's office. Well, what would be the purpose of destroying evidence? That's Here, Here's my fear. When the AG took over the entire case, not just what we requested him to, it looks like their goal is just to eliminate the investigation entirely. When they intervened, they also stopped search warrants that had already been signed by a judge that were follow-up to the original search warrants. We're going after phone records and incriminating information, and all of that came to a grinding halt. So the attorney general, by intervening, it looks like now on behalf of the board, is actually assisting the board by preventing from the investigation from taking from uh, going forward. So a lot of there's a lot of spoliation of evidence going right now. A lot of things are being scrubbed that we would have properly seized had they not intervened in the first place. That is in actuality what's happening. So so the the board is uh, 
in cahoots here with Bonta to protect Kuehl. It seems to be exactly what's happening right now, which is uh, not what I was expecting from the Attorney General. Now, I thought your department was supposed to turn over all the evidence to the to the DA, right? To the state DA, the state Attorney General. Uh, it- yeah, they're supposed to provide this evidence to determine whether or not to prosecute, but they have not interviewed anybody. They have not contacted uh, the the original whistleblower. It all seems all of their energy has been focused on eliminating evidence and gathering it uh, themselves and sealing everything off, not actually continuing an investigation that was active and ongoing. Yeah, this search, by the way, was September 14th, so here we are so, coming up at the end of October, and so it's not like they're doing anything. They're in a stall. They're going to wait to see what happens to you on Election Day, and if you don't win, then this thing's going to going to disappear. Oh, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be 86. You know that. Now, now you know how corruption works uh, statewide. Yeah, and if you do win, is there a way you can reactivate this investigation or is Bonta sealed you off? I mean, you recused no. yourself originally. Right. Like, I'm can- recusing. I ain't recused. However, his decision, if he decides to prosecute, well, then good. He did the right thing and they're going to prosecute if the evidence supports it. If the evidence doesn't support it, well, we want to see all of the decision making. We want to see the evidence and we're going to compare it to what we have. And if we think there's some, uh, uh, some malfeasance going on, then we're going to take this case to the federal government, to the assistant U.S. attorney's office, and we're going to ask them to then review the product of the attorney general. But if all the evidence gets destroyed, that would be hard to do. Exactly. And that's why we were so alarmed. And really, we had never even contemplated because uh-huh. we do investigations and we work with our federal counterparts all the time. We share evidence. We never seek to destroy evidence. Well, so what, and so what did this judge say today? I hope nobody's destroying any evidence. Is that what you said? Yes. In fact, the, the judge, you'll laugh at this. The judge says, I saw the sheriff's Facebook the day before and actually reviewed it a second time. And uh, so he he put the AG's office on the hot seat right away. Yeah, so they could put him on notice. They better not so, be up to anything. I like mean, this it. makes it sound like there is something worth covering up. That there, there's damaging evidence against Kuehl, and everybody wants to make this go away. Everybody currently in power. They want to protect Kuehl and make it go away. It doesn't sound like it's a nothing case if they're going through the trouble of uh, wanting to destroy evidence. Right. Here, he who fears nothing or, you know, there's nothing to hide, they're going to show everything. But right. they're doing everything in the opposite direction. Right. Because if she's innocent, why would you destroy the evidence? Yep, there you got it. So uh, we're we're concerned, but this fits a pattern. Look what happened with Mark Ridley Thomas. I mean, look at all those revealed audio tapes about, you know, the skullduggery that happens behind closed doors about people, you know, with power and access to so much money at the hands of the Board of Supervisors. I mean, it's mind-boggling. When you're talking about billions of dollars in contracts uh, to your friends and your associates and your political allies, that's a lot of influence. All right, Sheriff, thank you for coming on with us. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on this story. Sounds like it's getting crazy. Uh, you got it. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Sheriff Alex Villanueva, L.A. County Sheriff, and uh, he held a little news event yesterday to tell uh, members of the media that uh, apparently the Attorney General, Rob Bonta's office, wanted his office to destroy 
evidence connected with the search of L.A. County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl's home that was conducted last month. Well, but a judge today apparently put the kibosh on that. I mean, we're watching the corruption happen in real time in front of our eyes. Yeah, because I, there's no reason to demand evidence be destroyed if Kuehl was innocent. I just Usually they do these things uh, secretly. This is, would, this yeah. is blatant. All right, coming up, your chance at winning some bonus cash, inflation bonus money, with the keyword that you need to do that is next. Sean and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And Deborah Mark live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Two people have been fatally... Uh, oh, I just got an exciting email. Yes. I can shop, I can buy the Los Angeles Rams championship, Super Bowl championship ring. A mere fifteen thousand dollars. I just said that same thing to Ray. Yeah. Oh, they're you got the same. Yeah. They're offering fans the ring. They are. Do you think Eric? It's the exact same ring. I think it is made by uh, the jeweler who made the actual ring. I just don't think there's as many diamonds and stuff. If they're actually putting a fifteen thousand dollar price tag on it. Yeah, I had heard that the actual ring they have is worth more than that. That's yeah. So you're getting the cheap knockoff for fifteen grand. I wouldn't say cheap, but yeah, $15,000, John, is a lot of money. Are you getting it? Me? I don't think so. No? Well, did you notice, Eric, there's another one. I guess it's it's $11,295. It must be a little different. Do you notice the difference? Not yet. It's like playing that game. (laughs) The palm trees on the $15,000 one are gold. That's right. They're gold. And the other one is silver. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's really funny. And, John, you can get a pendant for only $12,500. And Deborah can get earrings for $9.95. Wow. Mm. Deborah Mark with earrings. Super Bowl championship earrings. Rams earrings. Deborah Mark, name one Rams player. Mm, I can't think of one player right now. <laughs> All right, then you don't qualify I, for the and I would, Yeah, and I, it wouldn't be and I was going to buy want. them for you, but forget it. Wait, that wait, was going to be my Christmas wait, present. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to Google. I'm going to Google. No, too late. No, no, no. That's only uh, yeah, $995 for the championship earrings. <laughs> and then you're walking around L.A., somebody rips them right oh, off yeah. your ear and steals oh, them, right? They'll last half a block. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I would, if I buy that ring, I ain't walking down the street. They're going to take your ears with it. <laughs> Showing off my, my bling. <laughs> uh, we got word this afternoon that organizers, all right, maybe organizer, has launched a bid to recall Kevin DeLeon from office. Kind of waiting for this to happen. But I say that because it's a woman in Eagle Rock named Pauline Atkins. It says she's the recall group's representative. She's the one that initialed two previous attempts to recall DeLeon from office. They had nothing to do with the leaked audio of their racist conversation. I think it had to do with the homeless. I remember I wanted Ray to get her on, but he, she never showed up and yeah. those recalls failed well, quickly. Well, she uh he called her today and hasn't gotten a response and uh the LA Times has called her and they didn't get a response. I, mean, I heard her on a news station and um uh, how do I put it? Her speech was halting. It was really a weird kind of person. Uh-huh. I thought I thought it was, but Well, anybody any any kook, any crackpot can file recall papers. It's fact, it says that right here in the time. It's relatively easy to launch a recall attempt in California, but actually triggering an election is far more difficult. You have to submit a 300-word statement signed by five voters who 
live within the district. All right, then she can't be alone. She's got to have four other people, right? Mm -hmm. And several other procedural steps have to be completed. There's a certain timetable. So it's not that hard. No, but here is what she has to do, or she and her cohorts. Uh, They have to get 15% of the total number of registered voters in DeLeon's district, which is District 14. That means 21,006 valid signatures. That just seems so low, doesn't it? I, I'm thinking of the Gascon recall. I realize that was countywide, but still. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember the Bonin number. Do you remember the Bonin number? It was more than that. I know it was. Valid signatures to recall Bonin. I don't, I don't, I don't remember, but I, I do remember that, uh, that DeLeon got 25,000 votes. So they would have to get 21,000. That's uh, they'd, they'd have to get at least 25,000 to account for the rejections. Oh, yeah, the, the rejections, right. So he practically would have to match the number that he had vote for him. Right. And it says he'll need a cushion of at least 20%. Of course, the uh, Gascon recall people did get a cushion well, of 20 you, something. I think it was you, 20. Yeah, you got to get a bigger cushion because the registrar is corrupt. Although this would be the city clerk of L.A. Yeah, I guess this goes through the city clerk's office a, of L.A. and not because it's a city election. I don't think it goes through the county registrar. I don't I, know. I just, I want to see the anger coming out of the district. I see the anger among all these freelancers and the paid protester crowd. Uh, where's the anger in the district? Um, I don't see those people speaking out very much. In fact, the article points out that a couple of people spoke up in favor of De Leon that live in his district. I think we played a woman last week. Remember that? And she was saying of all the great things he's done, we see, shouldn't. You need your own people to turn on you. Like in, in, in the case of Mike Bonin, clearly a lot of residents who voted for him turned on him. They were very angry because he repeatedly abused them. For right. many years, by refusing to do anything about all the homelessness and the crime and all the suffering that people and their children, their families were going through. He's especially cold and cruel. Uh, that's why it galls me to see him running around playing the victim. But, uh, and when he, when he turns on the tears, I, yeah, I don't know what his men- mental story is. I don't know what his diagnosis is, but man, there, there's some story there. I'd fill a book. It does, and it is interesting that they mentioned this woman. I, Pauline Atkins, supposedly is the main filer here. Her issues were with too much homeless, I think, in the district. Well, that's yeah. why we wanted to have her on. But it says she might have to, she might have to team up with the loudest critiques of Dillion, which have been the crazy activists from the city's leftmost flank. Right. You need you need that kind of energy. See the energy. Oh, is- see, she has been posting stuff from Trump twenty twenty. The Donald Trump fan club. <laughs> okay, so that that is an unlikely match, then, isn't it? All right. Well, then I don't know. She could just be a kook, <laughs> just be a, a gadfly. the uh, The thing is, what you need energy. You get that kind of recall energy from somebody who personally feels wounded, right? The people on the west side are offended because their lives have been compromised by by right. Bonin's policies. Here you have. De Leon insulting black people, right? But if that's he, the charge, yes. if he's got a mostly Hispanic district, they're not going to feel the insult. They're going to say, "Oh, you shouldn't have said that, or that was that was wrong." 
but you didn't insult them. His voters weren't insulted. He he insulted somebody else's group. You may have touched on why he's not resigning because he yeah. feels like he can weather this even if a recall is attempted. Right. See, I mean, if he if he went after, I mean, if there if there was a and, and I don't know the makeup of the district. I I've got the feeling that's largely a Hispanic district. But if he was in a district where there was a large contingent of black voters or any other group that he offended, then you could see something getting going because they would feel personally slighted. slighted but right. I'm not sure most of his district feels personally slighted by anything he said. I, yeah, most of the people that have come forward to speak because, at the city council meetings have never said, oh, I'm a De Leon constituent, and I think this is horrible. We have to have the one woman that apparently was supportive. What's often overlooked, polling is done, and you'll see that, well, 58% of people are against this. But do they vote on it? And when it comes to a candidate's recall, is there energy to recall them? Not that right. you'll say to a pollster, yeah, you know, yeah, I guess he should be recalled. Sure, I'd vote for that. No, really, are you going to go out and get the signatures? Are you, are you going to be crazy active? Because it's a lot of work. I mean, I know that bond and recall just exhausted the people behind Oh, it. I know. That was a lot of work. Yeah. It's difficult. And you could see, you know, how, how the, the, the Gascon recall people. I mean, they worked hard, too, and just fell short. And it's very frustrating. It's a very cumbersome process on purpose. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. We got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everywhere. Uh, you know, one of the people that served in the Donald Trump administration that uh, I really thought was pretty sane was the then Attorney General William Barr, if you remember him. Yes. And I think he was one of the ones that went in there with the whole stolen election thing. And I think tried to tell Trump, uh, yeah, because obviously he runs the Department of Justice. And no, Trump, they... I think, was looking for a way Tr to stop Tr the Trump, results. Trump threw him out. Yeah, Trump threw him out. So uh, he wrote uh, an opinion piece for the Wall Street Journal, which is really worth a few minutes because I think he summed up what we've been trying to get across to the audience for some time about uh, the crazy criminal justice reform of California from the attorney general all the way down to the L.A. County D.A., George Gascon. Um, he uh, says progressives can't solve the problems because they won't abandon the practices that cause it. Rising crime rates are a choice. And he said the violent crime surge is preventable. It was caused by progressive politicians reverting to the same reckless revolving door policies that during the 60s and 70s produced the greatest tsunami of violent crime in American history. We reversed that earlier crime wave with all tough anti-crime measures adopted during the Reagan-Bush era. We can stop this one as well. Studies have shown that the most predatory crime is committed by a small, hardcore group of habitual offenders. And John's talked about this before. They're a tiny fraction of the population. I estimate roughly 1% but they're responsible for between half and two-thirds of predatory violent crime. 
each of these offenders can be expected to commit scores, even hundreds of crimes a year, frequently while on bail, probation, or parole. The only time they aren't committing crimes is when they're in prison. For this group, the likelihood of reoffending usually doesn't recede until they reach their late 30s. The only way to reduce violent crime appreciably is to keep this cohort, that's like a Gavin Newsom word, off the streets. But Which this, is what we've been saying. This right? has been true for 50 years. This, this data is, is obvious, and doesn't it make perfect sense? I mean, how many criminals do you know? I don't know any. <laughs> no, I don't know Okay, any. obviously they're a... If they're 1% of the people, uh, they likely wouldn't. They're a tiny percent of the population. But if you look at them as, as a profession, what do you do every day? You go to work every day, right? Whatever you do. You, you manage a store. You do accounting. Whatever your line of work is, you do whatever. This is their line of work. This is how they make their money. Many of them work for an organization, a company. They're a cog in the machine. They steal the goods and they bring back the goods. Others are just violent psychotics, and they physically attack people, and, and, he, and they can't control that because it's a compulsion. He writes, before 1960, violent crime in the U.S. was modest and stable. In the early 60s, liberal reformers pushed to turn state justice systems into revolving doors. Violent offenders quickly released on parole or probation. Predictably, violent crime exploded going from 160 crimes per 100,000 population in 1960 to 758 per 100,000 in 1991. So it's 30 years of failure there. <laughs> 30 years of failure. And then in the 1990s, and if you've been in California long enough, we have, policies were reversed. They yes. started throwing people in prison for long periods of time, especially for repeat crimes. Crime rates went way down. Now, we let them out. Crime rates go up. The thing is, everyone knows this. You are being brainwashed, gaslighted, lied to. Wasn't that the power and the purpose behind the three strikes measure of 1993? Yeah. The idea is that we had these really hardcore, predatory, violent criminals, that 1% that uh, William Barr mentioned, and we finally came up with a way to lock them up for a long, long but time. This, and we had what followed was a pretty good period of lower violent crime rates. This is a streak that's been part of America since the 1960s. It's become an ideology. It's become a racket. It's become a way to raise money. It appeals to some people who think that the government should be subverted and not have power. It's people who uh, are, are offended by the idea of police. It's a, it's a, it's a crowd that's always going to be there. And they lie. Believe me, if they're willing to support murderers, they're going to lie about the crime statistics. Guy like Gascon, he lies out his rear end all day and night. He's always got phony studies that he, that he proclaims. You know what changed dramatically? Is the news media joined this cult and amplifies the Gascon message, amplifies the Black Lives Matter message, amplifies all the anti-police messaging. And so you hear this constant beating in your head every day 
about prisons are bad and, and, and police are bad. Over-incarceration. Oh, all the buzzwords. Lives are destroyed and blabbity, blabbity. You know, and we've got, we've got uh, all kinds of professors and researchers at universities releasing nonsense reports, studying criminal justice. Use your common sense. You got a rabid dog in your neighborhood, a wild dog? If the dog is chained up and in a cage, he doesn't hurt anybody. If the dog is loose, everybody gets bitten. That's all you need to know. You got wild, crazy humans. Lock them up. They're not going to hurt anybody. Let them go. They're going to do this all day, every day, because it's what they do. It's either their psychosis compelling them to do so, or it's their business. He puts this well, too. He says, well, progressives still complain. Why are we imprisoning record numbers when crime's receding? Well, he missed the point. Crime was dropping precisely because we were keeping violent criminals That's in prison. Right. Something we've tried to explain on this show over and over again with laws like three strikes and why we had such a good that, run of low crime rates that, that politicians like Garcetti bragged about right. for, for years. But their logic is inverted. And I swear some of them are, are anarchists and they just want the chaos in America. They don't like that we live a relatively wealth. We're a relatively wealthy country that lives in peace and enjoys our life, and it bothers them. He also writes: progressives have no solution, as in the '60s they call for more social spending to address the root causes. Well, even if we knew how to address the root causes effectively, which we don't, implementing the solution would take decades. People are entitled to protection now. Even the best designed social programs have no chance of success in neighborhoods strangled by violence and fear. There. Law and order is a prerequisite for social progress. I have right. never seen this mysterious social program that turned young criminals into peaceful people. I've never seen it. It doesn't exist. They have spent probably trillions of dollars on social welfare and social programs. The root cause is they're bad people. You can't make a bad person good any more than you can make a good person bad. And that's how you catch them. It's like, can you turn good people into bad people? No. How would you do that? Well, why and is we're it? talking about a small percentage of people, as Barr pointed out, they commit the worst of the crimes. It's not like we're locking up the whole country. It always gets exaggerated and twisted. Yes. And it's That's... really frustrating because we've known we've known going back before 1960. We knew what worked. It always works. It's the only thing that works. And eventually it gets bad enough where people say, let's go back to the old way. I think we're taking baby steps towards that. We have seen this cycle just doing this show the last 30 years out here in California. We've already seen this cycle go a couple of times. Every generation has to learn the lesson over again. Yep. When we got here, oh, my God, gang crime, homicides were horrible. That was in the early 90s. And three strikes helped reverse that. It lasted a while. And then we got Jerry Brown, who wants to, who wanted to shift it back. And it's being carried on by the rest of this crowd in charge oh, now, oh. like Newsom and uh, Gascon. Brown screwed up the state twice over. Yes, you're right. He was here in a cycle before us. Yeah, yeah he was governor. in the 70s and 80s. And then he was here, you know, in, in the uh, 2010s. And uh, he, he, he is one of the most destructive governors in California history. And he never gets analyzed properly, historically, as how bad and destructive he is. 
All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI, AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A final heads up for the Moist Line, which comes tomorrow. So your last chance to get your calls in is coming. Use the iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon, or call the toll-free number 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. You know, we haven't talked about it in a while on this show. The Pope. (laughs) This is my favorite story. (laughs) Pope Francis made a speech this week. And you might be surprised at the subject. Porn. And during this speech, he even went after priests and nuns who were watching porn too. What kind of porn do you think a nun watches? (laughs) What's on there? He said that they are watching the vice of porn and the devil enters from there and weakens the soul. Now, we know what kind of porn the priests are watching. Yeah, I left that out. <laughs> plus, plus, men in general are more inclined to porn. Yes, Whether they're they gay are. men or straight men, they're more inclined. Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, there's so many different I would, sexual orientations. I, I, would, I, would, I would imagine it uh, that the subjects would be on the younger side. <laughs> the subjects. <laughs> That's he said that. The nuns, uh, though? I, women, women in general watch less porn. That's got to be true. Don't you oh, think? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, I don't, not, I'm it, not going to say I've seen research, but I just believe no, the way it's marketed. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's, it, it's exclusively true. I think there's some, some, some women are into it. Right. And if you can find one of those. Um, so he said uh, priests and nuns also have the vice of porn on the web. Beware. The devil enters from there and weakens the soul. If you have them on your mobile phone, delete them. He was speaking to hundreds of seminarians oh, like, aspiring to be oh, priests. Oh, like they're going to. He asked them to delete the pornographic content like, on their phones. They've already taken a vow to be celibate, and now they can't even look? Well, boy, oh boy. And you wonder why they act out the way they do. Uh, this, is, this is not a, a this is unnatural uh And he said, he even said to distinguish this, I'm not talking about criminal pornography such as child abuse. That's already degeneracy. I'm talking about normal pornography. Notice he he granted that there's child pornography being viewed. (laughs) I hope so. That's not even up for debate. He knows that that's going on. Yeah. (laughs) To have a pure heart, you cannot receive this pornographic information, is how he put it. This is like the interpretation of his speech. Yeah. That's uh, that's what the that's what they're worried about late at night, huh? They're if you can heart. delete this from your mobile phone, delete it. Excuse me if I go into these details about pornography, but there is a reality, a reality that touches priests, seminarians, nuns, consecrated souls. Have you understood? All right, this is important. Wow. Uh, some seminarian asked him how the digital and social media world should be dealt with. And the Pope admitted, while he doesn't use it himself, the technology is a service to be able to progress in life. So he's supportive of tech. But obviously, tech has brought us all sorts of ways to access pornography. Instant pornography, right. Including the ugly dark web. You'd have to, you know, you'd have to work a little to find pornography years ago. He said, I don't use them because I come late. You know, when I was ordained a bishop 30 years ago, they gave me one as a present, a mobile phone, which was like a shoe. About this big. I said, no, I can't use this one. And finally, I said, all right, I'll make a call. I called my sister. I said, hello. Then I gave it back. Give me something else. (laughs) 
That's his way of admitting that he was not too connected to any kind of technology even 30 years ago. Uh, he yeah. says, I couldn't use it because my psychology was off or I was lazy. I don't know. That's a strange uh, way to put it. But again, this is a, an interpretation. So, Yeah, Here. but but for him to bring up the porn issue with about the priests and the nuns means he knows it's going on. Like he's gotten information. Yeah, apparently now, the Vatican has put out papers on porn before saying yeah. it desensitizes people. Right, right. But but he's he never addressed his own his own flock there. He never And the nun question I, I don't have an answer to. Uh <laughs> I really I, I I wouldn't have the slightest idea. Maybe Conway knows. The Pope told nuns not to watch porn. What kind of porn do you think a nun watches? Is that right? I probably shouldn't ask you. None. You'll see no, oh, good one. I uh, where, where is this uh, wild church? Um, this is the Catholic Church. <laughs> no, the, Catholic? The, yes, you the remember. The Pope it. was speaking to seminarians. Did you go to Catholic school as a kid? I got kicked out of Catholic school as a kid. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. For what? Well, I all my friends went to public school, and I want to go to public school. And my dad said, "No, your mom wants you to go to uh, Catholic school." He said, "But." If you get kicked out of Catholic school, I have to put you in public school. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, you found a route. Next day, the nun, I, I raised my hand. She goes, I'm not taking any questions. I got a quick one. I go, where does a guy take a blank around here? And really? out. <laughs> wow. Out, ski. And he was six. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I was in third grade. So, you know, third however, seven or eight or something like that. And uh, that was a wrap. That was a wrap. Oh, you were the devil, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they didn't want any part of that. Um, but uh, anyway, we got a guy named Paul Friedman coming on today. You asked that question at the age of eight? <laughs> well, I didn't know how else to get kicked out, you know? I knew that would do it, though. I knew that would, that, that would launch me. And they, my parents had to come pick me up. They wouldn't even let me finish the day. That it was, was a uh, nun? Lucky you didn't get it was, a beating. It was a nun, yeah. And yeah. she had a stick, and she couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Is it the Our Lady of Grace on uh, White Oak and Ventura? True story. Yeah, true story. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, Bob. I know exactly where that church is. Yeah, I yeah, like when Eric knows where it is. I like when Bill, uh, when uh, Joe Biden does that. I'm not. It's not a joke. Not, not a, a joke. joke. Yeah, no. like I had a, I, I, last night. I had dinner. Not a joke. Not a joke. Not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> not a joke. Yeah, I think uh, people uh, should uh, take showers. Not a joke. <laughs> He's a nut. Um, anyway, the Powerball is uh, huge now, right? It could be worth yeah more than eight hundred million dollars now. It's tomorrow, right? Yes, uh, so, right. Saturday, I think. Oh, Saturday. All right. I, I have think time it's to get Saturday. tickets. Yeah, you gotta, I waste, you gotta, I've already wasted $40 this week. Oh, uh, yeah. You gotta, uh, we're, we have a, a mini pool going on here. So uh, mm. if you want to jump in on it, it's 20 bucks. Uh, and then uh, I'm not sharing money with 100 people. Yeah, I know. And then, you know what? The, the pool that I'm in, they want to take the lump sum. And I think that's BS. You know, you got to like that? No, take it over the 20 year period because anyone will lend you money on that. You know, so if you ate 800 million oh, over 20 years. I was any, gonna say it might be dead in twenty years. But any bank will lend you, you know, fifty million bucks at three yeah, percent or eight percent, whatever. Right? Yeah. For it. Ah, it's, a, it's guranteed money. Yeah. That's know? an interesting uh, method. Yeah. Thank you very much. And then uh, mortgage rates top seven percent this month, the highest in two decades. No good. Uh, and these mortgage companies, you know, they had 
three, four, five hundred people working for him. Now they're down to like ten or fifteen people. It's, I don't okay. know where all these people get jobs. Phones are not ringing. No, it's really hard. Nobody's buying. Yeah, it. phone us up seven and a half percent on your first, fourteen on your second. <laughs> hey, why is the phone not ringing here? <laughs> do you know? Do you remember the the housing boom like mid two thousand? Oh yeah, sure. You know we had twenty three mortgage companies advertising. Is that right? Wow. Yes. And they were giving them to anybody. Yeah, you know, if you clearly, yeah, I mean, I mean, literally, if you were just an upright biped, you could get a, a, a home loan, and and then the crash hit, and, and it was zero, right? And then they gave not only did they give out home loans to anybody, but they also slapped a HELOC on it, so you yeah. bought a house, and they stuck fifty grand in your pocket, yeah, and it was great. Go go those a, the go days. go two thousands. Yeah, that was the those that was the peak. And then Big everybody, dog. everybody oh. bought a BMW with that money, and then uh, uh, two years later, all those BMWs went back. <laughs> they all were taken away. Got repossessed. Yeah. All right, ding dong with you guys. Yeah, ding dong. Come on. Here he comes. Uh, Crozier's go. got the news. Yeah, Can't we love it. KST HD two, Los Angeles, Orange County, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.